listening to The Smoking Section, powered by Symphonic. All right, here we are. Another episode of season five we have here. Uh, this is my first Texas country music artist that I'm going to interview. I hope that it's not my last. I've actually watched his career for a little while, going a little ways back. Um, Wade Bowen, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm your first Texas guy, huh? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're the first one. You're the first one as far as I, yeah, as far as I can remember. Because once I do these things, I typically kind of forget the interview until it's like it's out after I do editing. I'm like, ah, now just move on to the next one. But um, I can tell you who I've interviewed, but I can't tell you. <laughs> it, but so I know for a yeah. fact that I didn't do. I, I haven't done a Texas Texas country artist. So this is the first one. Um, I'm very excited to have you. How you been, man? I've been great. Just so busy. You know, it's be careful what you wish for, right? We uh got locked down forever, and now we're. I'm like, okay, okay, well, hold on, y'all. Let's not do everything we we get called to do. <laughs> but it's a it's a good problem, man. I love it. Um, I, I'd much rather stay busy than than you know, because I get lazy when I'm bored. So um, that makes two of us. Yeah, that makes two. I actually I start going stir crazy when I get bored. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. I Maybe going- I just get real lazy. Like I'll just sit around and do nothing. I'm like, man, I gotta get up and do something. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll end up watching TV and watching Netflix. Like I, I think the first six months of the whole pandemic, when it first happened, I actually binge watched probably twenty TV shows. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. there was nothing to do. You couldn't go out and do anything. Like you, you didn't know whether or not you were going back to work or whatever. You know, it was just like okay. Yeah, I was the same way. I watched everything I could, and then, and then after a few weeks, I'm like, "Well, I've watched everything. What am I going to do now?" <laughs> right. It's like, oh, now I'm watching reruns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm watching the reruns. So Texas, Texas man, you um, you were born in, in I always pronounce this wrong, but Waco, Texas, right? Yeah, not Waco. Not you Waco. People call it that. No, not Waco. <laughs> Not wacko. Um, <laughs> so, tell us, so tell us, what was it like you growing up in, in Waco, Texas? So I grew up. Uh, I had three sisters, no brothers. That should that should explain it all, right there. That explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know about me. Everybody, everybody listening right now just goes, "Okay, we don't need to listen to the rest. We got it." <laughs> but um, I grew up two older sisters, one younger, and. Uh, you know, it was very, uh, it was, it was a great childhood. I had a lot of fun, did the whole, um, played a lot of sports and had music around at all times. My mom was heavily, you know, influenced in music. She loved it. She always pushed me to do it. My two older sisters were the same way, but I was the only one who really chose to do it, uh, full-time the only one who chose to do it at all for a career. Everybody else just loves it. I mean, they still, you know, to this day, my mom and dad and three sisters are my biggest fans, and they come out all the time to watch shows. They love my career as much as I do, so it's so, fun. So what was your motivation? Because obviously you've had your family, everyone, you know, who are musically inclined. So what 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 was your motivation to to go full-time and their motivation to stay? To uh, you know, I, well, they, they it was just like they just have a love for music. They didn't really want to pursue anything, and, and – mm-hmm. But they they were the ones who were taking me to my first concerts when I was like six years old. You know, I think I saw Alabama was my very first concert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and they were dragging me around to all these cool shows. And they're the ones who introduced me to a lot of that early country music that I got uh, became obsessed about, you know. Uh, 
They're the ones who introduced me to Alabama. They introduced me to George Strait, to Steve Warner. And then, then it was Garth Brooks and Vince Gill and Alan Jackson and the nineties, you know, with Travis Tread. I mean, they were, they were dragging me around to every single concert and everything they could do. And, uh, and that was a really, uh, you know, a really big part of my childhood growing up in Waco. There was the mainstream country station there. And that's kind of what we, um, listened to and what we kind of based everything off of. But then, uh, as I got older, then my dad's influences started uh, coming out with Willie and Waylon and Guy Clark and uh, Robert Earl Keen and those guys. And that's when I really started diving into songwriting. So it was a weird transition from all the mainstream stuff into a more songwriter influenced uh, right. college career, you know? So I want to ask this question because I, I, I never, I've never asked anyone this question um, and you being the first um, Texas country artist on here. Um, what is the what is the main difference? So, what do you think, in your opinion, is the difference between mainstream country radio that comes out of Nashville and Texas country music? Well, I think it's there's a, that's a big diverse answer because if you're talking about um, there's just as many diverse artists in Texas as there are in Texas music right. as there are in Nashville. You know, Nashville, you have the mainstream acts, but then you also have, you know, the guy Clarks, Rodney Crowles, uh, Radney Foster, right. You know, those people that are, that are there that are more Americana. Um, so, so I think, I think it can be diverse. Uh, I, I just try to tell people like my career, you know, I've always, I've tried really hard to, to make music that can be played, uh, not uh, not just in Texas that can be played all over. Um, we go tour all over the world, you know, and I, I try to have music that is is um, that it's universal as possible because I love I love I've always loved that about you know uh, the music that I grew up listening to and then becoming a big fan of like Springsteen and stuff. I've always loved that that the music is is universal. It can it can even though you're writing about certain areas, you can still appeal to mass audiences. And I've really tried hard to be an artist from Texas instead of just a Texas artist. But I think, I think the biggest part of my career has been, um, you know, I, I grew up wanting to, to, to be wanting to play country music and wanting to, to do what I'm doing now. But I thought my whole life that I would have to um, wait tables, you know, move to Nashville, wait tables and wait my turn to get the big record deal. And, and that's all I ever knew. And then, I saw Robert O'Keen in concert when I was in college and, and went, I went, Oh wait, he's, this place is sold out. He's doing what he wants to do, having a blast, very successful. And he's, I can go start a band right now. And that's what I did. And so I started, started my career way before I probably should have just because I threw myself into those shark infested waters, you know, and just tried to swim my way out. And so uh, I think the biggest difference for me has always been I haven't focused the majority of my career on making records that that revolve around radio. I make records that I know I'm going to go out and play live. And that makes a big difference when I'm writing songs, when I'm making records, too. I think it's the way you approach it. So. Yeah, so, so I could go I, on. I, about that. I was I was thinking about that. I mean, I, um, I, I called I call um, Texas country. Um, the rebel country, rebel country is what I call it, and I only call it rebel, and, and and it's not an insult. It's 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 one. It's it's more, and this is not an insult to either 
you know, mainstream country or anything, but it's more so there's more passion and more authenticity of them, more realness rather um, in Texas country than I think in a lot of mainstream country. This is not an insult, but I think because you're not all like you just said, you're not always trying to get played on the radio. Right. You know, you're not you're not trying to you're not trying to get I'm not going to write a song that's trying to get, you know, I have to know what radio wants to hear or whatever. You're not trying to play that game. That's that's fine. You're putting music out there because that's what you want to do. And that's what your passion is for. Um, not saying that mainstream doesn't do that, but there's some commerciality that mainstream does more so than Texas country. Um, it's I, that more mass appeal thing um, that, that has to be, you know, if you're going to be played on the radio and be successful, it has to have mass appeal. And I think for the most part, Texas artists are more specific with their songs, right. specific and direct, right? Because they can be. Uh, and I, I think that's just just a product of, of being around it, you know? Right, right. It's just a product of who you are. It's just, you know, uh, and what the lifestyle is down in Texas. I've never been, in, well, that's a lie. I've been in Texas one time. Yeah, I've been in Texas once. I've been in Dallas. Um, you're not a Cowboys fan, are you? I am, yes. <sighs> not fun to be a Cowboys fan. So uh, I'm an Eagles fan. So this oh, is oh. Um, this is a little uncomfortable now. Can we end this interview? I don't yeah, know. yeah, we're going to end this interview right here. <laughs> here, we'll agree, we'll agree to disagree. Shake hands. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of us have a lot to brag about. So which one? I'm trying to figure that one out because neither one of us. Neither one of us. <laughs> neither one of us. Uh-huh. It's like, but you I have a more recent Super Bowl win than I, we do. That's the only that we can bring about. I can't I can't really even like be part of that anymore because we've just gone so downhill. Yeah. Since well, I, I don't know. We we had such high expectations this year and then just fell off. So I mean, we, I mean, I don't understand how you can't, how, how you don't realize uh, that you can't pull off a play in 13 seconds. I mean, it's just nuts. Without the Please, official. Let's not relive it. I'm like, okay, all, right, all, right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I did see, I did see a, a thing that went around. I don't know if someone sent it to you, but it was like, it was from um, Roger Goodell. It was a fake letter and saying, so we're trying to reduce the issue of having home teams play. In a football stadium for a Super Bowl, like we've had Tampa Bay last year. Now we had LA Rams. So next year we're going to have it in Dallas Cowboys Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wouldn't blame them. I understand completely. <laughs> it's where, we, where we know a home team will be playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch! That hurts, but it's the truth. It's rough. That's funny. So let's talk about this this great artwork of when phones don't work. Oh yeah, man! Thank Where you. Where phones don't work. Where phones don't work, rather. Where phones don't work. Yeah. I, I love. I love phone. I love the. I love this album. Um, I listened to it this morning. I listened to it last night, day before. I love this. Um, what was your mindset going into writing this? Well, I, you know, I probably wrote more coming out of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I probably wrote more than I've ever written in my life in a single year. I just. I'm sure it was a combination of being excited to be on stage again and being out of, you know, being back on the road a little bit and just all of that, just kind of being out of the mess. Um, it probably had a lot to do with it, but uh, I made some business changes. I made some, you know, kind of hit the reset button on a lot of things of my life. And so uh, I, I just, I just feel better than I ever have. I love 
music right now more than I maybe ever have in my entire career. So uh, I feel like I'm writing the best songs I've ever written. And, you know, everyone, unfortunately, was releasing records or getting set to release records because when we were all off, that's all we did was write songs and record mm -hmm. stuff. And so um, when it came time, we work with 30 Tigers as our label. And when it came time to release a record, they were saying we couldn't get it out till till this year, till 2022. And I was like, you know, I feel like I'm writing these some of the best stuff in my career. I can't wait that long. I can't right. sit around and wait that long for a record to come out. So we got together and came up with this six song EP that I I felt at the time was the best stuff that I'd written. And just thought, you know, for our fans and trying to make new fans, it would be really beneficial for us to get this stuff out there. And I really feel like it's, you know, some of the best stuff I've ever written. And I just now finished another record, a uh, brand new record, 12 brand new songs that I produced myself for the first time. And that's coming out, you know, later this year too. Like I'm just, I'm just love music. And, and that's, I think this, this EP is the first taste of, of all that's coming here in the next few years with my career. And I'm so excited about that. It feels good. No matter what happens, it feels good to have that. So how, how so speaking of this so speaking of this this track list here you have song you have songs like phones don't work what we call home the last town in Texas when love comes around which I believe is a single right now lead mm -hmm. single um, but this is the one that gets me because I want to know how the hell you get in the room with Steve Earle uh, the song trouble is so you yeah guys, so like. How, what, what, was that a dream come true for you, right, with Steve Earle? Yeah, it was. You know, uh, and the craziest thing about it was I had to write with him on Zoom because the way that it was set up and because of the times we're in, um, we, we couldn't get in the same room. So I had to, you know, I'd never even met Steve before. So not only am I meeting my hero for the first time, but I'm actually writing with him for the first time. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't believe that this is happening. Like it, it, it was, um, but it was so much fun uh, to, to, to meet him. And, you know, most zoom rights last for like an hour and a half, probably maybe because you just right. kind of can't hear very well. You just kind of get the idea of the gist and then you kind of finish it later or stuff. We were on zoom for three and a half hours, you know, just having a blast talking. I was listening to every story he wanted to tell and uh, you know, and, and to not only ride with your heroes and get along with them and then, to be cool, but to get a, a song that you love. I mean, I wrote with Guy Clark, which I was probably is, is equally as nervous mm -hmm. um, writing with him as I was with Steve. Uh, but to actually get a song that I could, wanted to cut, you know, I mean, right. he, he even asked me, he's like, what do you think? Like, as we're writing it, do you think he would cut this? And I was like, man, I think this is an absolutely incredible song. I'm really proud of it already. We're not even done with it. And three and a half hours later on a Zoom call, it was, it was written and uh, recorded like, two weeks later. So it, it was a dream come true for me. It could not have been any nicer and such, such an honor to to do that. And I hope did, to get in the room. With did him you fangirl? Did you fangirl when you, when you first got on that zoom? I tried not to, I tried not to, I'm not a very good, like fangirl. Like I, I don't go nuts. I, I, I try really hard to play it cool, which usually hurts me because I, I end up not like I've been in the rooms with like people, right. You know, I could have easily walked up to like Jackson Brown, one time in Nashville after the BMI awards, I was or after the ASCAP awards, I was, uh, you know, right across the room from him and could have just walked up and I just didn't. I chickened out. So I'm not a very good fangirl, but I think with Steve, I played it cool and I did ask him a few questions that I wanted to as we got more comfortable. And uh, it was really cool. He was willing to talk to. He's willing to tell a lot of stories. And 
talk about his son and talk about towns and talk about guy. And it was really, really fun for me. It was a lot of fun. Really wow. cool. Wow. That's crazy. Um, I, I, I could only imagine being in your shoes when that happened, you know, um, especially when I was being one of your heroes, one of the guys you looked up to and it's, you know, looked up to throughout your whole career and throughout your life, really. Steve Rowe is a freaking legend. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's cool when you, um, when you see these guys, you know, I remember that with guy as well. Like when you, when you see these guys and you know that they're willing to write with a younger artist is really cool to me. It's, it shows that's, that's the thing that took my nerves down notch because I was right. like, you know, if they're willing to give it a shot, that shows you that it's probably going to be okay. You know? And uh, it was more, it was more than okay. He was, he was, he's he obviously he's such a legend already, but then you get there talking to him and you see, he's just as motivated as ever as well. I mean, he's writing stuff for Broadway. He's writing stuff for movies and he's writing stuff for TV and he's just, he's kicking ass on every level. And it's, uh, that's why he's writing with younger artists too. Like he, he just really loves songwriting as much as ever. And that's, that's really cool when you write with your heroes and they're, they're as inspired as ever. I mean, that's, right. that's I hope when I'm, when I'm older as well, I hope that I'm still inspired when I'm their age. You know, that's I'm sure I'm sure you will be. It's just, there's, there's too much passion to not be inspired. Right. I mean, I love music and always will. And I don't think that ever goes away. I've never understood retiring, you know? Yeah. Neither did I. I don't understand either. I think I'm, I'm probably going to work till I die. Um, as as most as most people would say when they're when they're like i think when you get to a certain point millionaire kind of thing then you're like oh i'm gonna keep working just for the hell of it yeah it's because i love doing it well yeah i mean you get bored i've I've seen my dad retire here recently in the last five years and he just gets bored you know so at least with music um you know, you, you can do that till you're gone. So that's right. a beautiful of the beauty of our job. I guess we'll call it a job. Yeah. 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 So what was the, what was the motivation and, and discussions being had when y'all guys decided to have when love comes around as your least Leo single? Well, you know, I think I, you know, just being around a lot of other writers and a lot of other artists, you know, there, there was a lot of us that were writing a lot of sad songs. A lot of songs are obviously, I mean, lot, not necessarily sad, just real intense, you know, like uh, all the emotions that we were trying to write and get out. I mean, from the pandemic, you know, it was just a crazy time. And so coming out of that, I, I wrote a lot of those songs. And just when it came time to put them together on a record, I was like, you know, nobody, nobody wants to hear this. They, they want to hear happy stuff. They want to not think about this for a while. And that's where I think when love comes around fit that perfectly, not only as a, a first representation of the EP, but a, a way to help people kind of just take a deep breath and realize, Oh, there is some happiness out there. Let's go, let's go hang with this a little bit more. Let's listen to this. I want to turn this up and make people smile, make people dance, make people feel good. And I think that song really does that. Plus it's really, like I said, going back to, you know, the main focus I think of our stuff is we, uh, take songs and go play them live and it's really helped our live show to have that song every night yeah i, I think it, I, I had this conversation with Dominion about one time is you know i think that when they were talking about their t- album title and everything like that we all need it we all need happiness we all need like you said we all need laughter um because it's been a hell of two years guys it's been two years so um yeah so you speak of happiness that's some of what brings you joy, your family. Yes. How long have you been married? 
17 years now. 17 years. She knew what she was getting herself into when she married you. She did. She did. <laughs> uh, very lucky that she did. You know, uh, my uh, brother-in-law, he and I married uh, sisters, and he's the lead singer for, well, they, he used to have a band called Cross Canadian Ragweed. Now he's got a band called The Departed. His name's Cody Canada. He's, so he's a musician as well. So we're we're full of it down here in New Braunfels, where I live now, and wow. uh, full of music around. And so, you know, we, they, they knew what they were getting themselves into. I've never had to really argue with that one or fight it. You know, I mean, she's the wife that goes, when I'm, when I'm worried that I'm gone too much or, hey, you know, I feel like I'm letting y'all down because I'm not here she's the one that goes no we're good we got this you go go chase your dreams go show our go show our two boys you know what it's like to chase your dreams and how hard it is and how rewarding it can be and that's what i always try to do uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to have you know that support and that that love and unconditional love because obviously you know being a road rip in your family is it's tough it's a sacrifice and people don't realize that you know it's it's not about the money. The money, the money is 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 for you when you get paid for a gig. That's that's for the time away. Yeah, <laughs> that's for yeah. the time away for the family. You know, you'll go do a gig for free because you love the music so much. But that's for the time away from family. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I tell my boys all the time. Luckily, you know, I struggled with that a lot when they were really young, and and then I had a good friend tell me, you know, they they don't know any different. You can't compare. I can't compare my childhood, you know, who was, I was the son of an electrician, Bowen Electric, you know, it was my dad's company. My grandfather started it in 1955. And so my dad was the one who was always there when I got home. Uh, he was uh, coaching me in little league baseball. You know, he, he was always around, still is, you know, and, uh, my, and I, I struggled with that for a long time, but my, my kids, uh, they, they don't, they only know what their, what their childhood has been like. And, you know, they know that they have a dad who leaves, but they also know that they have a dad who's constantly calling them and constantly telling them, hey, I can't wait to come home. That's my favorite thing in life is coming home to the to them. And they and they know that. And I think as long as you uh, it, it's a crazy life, what we do and a crazy job for sure, man. But, you know, it's very rewarding on so many levels. And, um, yeah, it's hard. Uh, but I think if you just do your best to show them love and show them that you're. Like I tell them all the time, we'll go to Disneyland. I remember sitting at Disneyland eating like a pretzel or something with them going, hey, you know, the only reason we get to do this stuff is because I have to be gone. You know, I have to go play shows, but right. we get to do fun stuff like this. And so they get it. They understand. They've never once, you know, my wife or my two boys, they're 16 and 13 now. So they've never once uh, thought twice about it. Are they, are, are, are they, are, is the music, is the music rubbing off on them? Are they, are they looking to get into music business too? I'm not sure about that yet. I think they're still trying to figure it out. I, sh I sure don't push them. All I my my all I've ever tried to do is introduce them to as much as possible, whether it's sports or music or or you know some kind of social stuff or you know uh, studying or whatever you know whatever it may be. Right. Uh, just try to introduce them to stuff and let them figure out what they love. And I they uh, my youngest boy is an, it's a fantastic drummer. Um, whether he wants to do something with it or not. It's up to him. Um, and then my older boy is a fantastic singer and a fantastic piano player. So uh, once again, he's just focused right now on college and uh, what he's going to do with that. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't push him on any of it, but if they want to do it, I was kind of late to it anyway. I didn't start taking music seriously till I was about 17. So they have time. I think, I so, I think there's a lot of people. I think a lot of a lot of artists become or, or are athletes before they actually become 
musicians, you know, they don't start playing. Like Kenny, Kenny Chesney didn't start playing until he was in college. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the way it is. I think you, it's important to be a kid. It's important to, and I'm all about chasing dreams and, you know, any, any kid that starts to do their dream really young, I, I'm, I think that's incredible. But I think, you know, the way my kids are raised, the way I was growing up, I would, I was constantly switching dreams every week. You know, I wanted to be a football star. Then I wanted to be a rock star. Then I wanted to, you know, be a baseball star. I mean, it, it would change every week or every month. And that's, that's what dreams are about. You just, you go, that's, that's, to me, that's the beauty of being a kid. Take it all in and just, just dream big. Yeah. I keep talking, I was talking about, I have a conversation with my brother the other day. Um, uh, like he, he's 20 and he doesn't know, he, you know, he wanted to be a cop and he wanted to be a basketball player. And it's like, that's okay. You know, my mom was giving him a hard time. We'll just pick some notes. No, he's 20. You have your twenties to literally fuck everything up in your life. For 20. Yeah. Yeah. That's when <laughs> you're supposed to make mistakes. That's when yeah. you're supposed to make mistakes. Where, and then 30 is when you're starting to like realize the, the man or woman you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. And some people do it sooner and some people do it later. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think I think we get caught up in all this like, uh, you know, you're supposed to know what what you know, what you want to do, like blah, blah, blah. You know, they, yeah. I've got a song. I've got a song on an old record. Uh, the record's called Lost Hotel, but there's a song on there called Walking Along the Fence Line. It's all about that. You know, they it's the frustration that everyone thinks you're supposed to. They tell you and society you're supposed to have everything figured out and even in college you know you gotta pick your major and know what you want to do and then go go start work and all that stuff and you know i just it's all that song and everything at that time was just about you know hey it's okay to not have it figured out i think that's kind of the beauty of making all those mistakes while you can and and take some chances and figure stuff out yeah that's exactly that's exactly what it is because if you don't if you don't make mistakes you don't then you're not what, what are you doing with your life like what exactly are you doing with your life if you're, if you're not making mistakes to learn more about yourself and to learn where you want to go and to toughen up need some tougher skin then what the hell are you doing with life you know exactly, <laughs> exactly. life is full of mistakes I keep trying to tell people it's okay to make mistakes it's all right you have to, you have to. you're never you gonna to. learn no no so what's next? So you get ready to go, are you getting ready to go on tour? You just announced a tour? I don't know. I don't ever stop touring. We're always <laughs> uh, and if I get a week, I got a weekend off last week and I thought it was a year. It felt like a year to me. Lord. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy what, what we do, you know, but that's just that's the way it's always been for me. I, I'm always on tour. Um we we usually play, you know, probably 12 to 12 to 17 shows a month on average. And uh, I love doing it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it any. I love, I love being gone. Um, then I have my trips to Nashville to do work and write and make records and all that as well. So you've I done over four, you've done over 4,000 shows. Yeah. It's <laughs> a it lot of damn shows, man. A lot of shows, man. It's a lot of shows, but I always told myself that I would uh, stop doing shows or stop doing as many whenever I stop enjoying them, you know, whenever, the, whenever it stopped being fun and became a job, then I would stop doing it. And I haven't even come close to that in my mind. I, I, we played the San Antonio rodeo uh, to like 13,000 people on Sunday afternoon. And it was just, 
man, it was a dream come true this far into my career. That it, it still is a dream come true. I love it. It's so much fun. And, and uh, wow. like I said, I, I'm enjoying music now probably more than I ever have. I feel like I'm 25 again, but I have a lot more knowledge and that, that feels good. Right. That's, uh, that's insane. Um, Cause you know, you feel like the 25, I mean, feeling like the 25, but how does your body really respond to that? <laughs> well, I don't want to go there. You know? <laughs> I can't drink like I used to. I'll tell you that much. I think I can. Nights when I think I can, then I wake up, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, my body's a different story, man. <laughs> yeah, we feel like we're 25. Like, I feel like I'm like 15, in the, uh, but my body is turning up. Yeah, up here is 25. Yeah. Else, I'm not sure. Everywhere else is like, <laughs> like 65. <laughs> uh, it's the undying courage <laughs> that we have. <laughs> hey, man, go for it, though. You know, you know, you're only as young as you, you're only as old as you feel, so they say. I don't know. So they say. It's, Depends on it depends on what day you ask me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, today I feel I feel the fifteenth today. Yeah. Today. Tomorrow feeling probably feeling good. We're feeling good. I'm feeling good today. Tomorrow probably not. After the gym workout tonight, probably not. Probably. probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least, no. at least we have it today. Exactly. So you've played the Opry multiple times, right? Sure have, so yeah. um what's been your 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 favorite time playing at Opry because the Opry the Opry is just I've only yeah. been in the Opry one time and that was before the week before the floods so oh, wow. the only time I've been in the Opry um and I've seen Jimmy Dickens play so it was really, really cool oh, to yeah. see Jimmy Dickens play and Chris Young was still wearing a cowboy hat back then um yeah. so but what's been your favorite moment at the Opry I'll say, you know, that's really tough because every time I play the Opry feels like the first time there it's that special. Every time you play there, um, you get treated so kind there. They, they, you know, I thought the first time I played there that I was going to get, well, Hey, you should feel lucky to be here. That kind of attitude, you know, and it was the complete opposite. Everyone's so grateful that you're there. They, they, they treat you so kind. So nice, such great kind people. Um, so I love every time I get to the chance. To, to be on that stage i can i never take it for granted um absolutely love it but i will say the my favorite time was uh i was when i it was when i was on um uh columbia records i was I had a major label deal for a while and mm-hmm. um with that came some cool opportunities and so about a week out uh it was during uh uh, uh cma week uh fanfare what, what it used to be fanfare i don't know what it is now it's fan i think it's fan fest now Fan Fest, yeah. I think. Hearing, I hearing think. that week. I know stuff, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they have all those shows going on all over. Well, they were doing a special uh, Saturday early matinee at the Ryman uh, during that. Two shows that day. And so they called and asked if I wanted to play uh, the, the early slot the, the, on the early Ryman. And uh, at the Ryman, which I've done the Grand Ole Opry House, but not the Ryman yet. And so... Uh, I flew in from wherever I was on the road and got ready. And then my wife was out and my kids were out in California on vacation and uh, they flew in, surprised me. And I have this song called before these walls are blue that I wrote about both my boys. And I got to uh, play a couple of songs with my band and then sent them off and played uh, just me and my guitar with that song for them sitting in the crowd during the day at the Ryman when the, sun is coming through the stained glass up top. It was one of those moments that I'll never forget. It was my favorite time to ever 
one of my favorite times I've ever been on stage, but also one of my favorite times to ever um, to be around my kids and have them see what I do and to have them out, you know, pretty much front row right. singing the song I wrote about them. It was pretty cool. Wow. Man, that's, that's pretty magical. I wish I was there to see that. That's, that sounds pretty freaking magical to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, it's, it's, when you have moments like that, you, you kind of, you got to cherish them, especially, you know, time, the time that we're in, you got to cherish yeah. those moments. So I had, I had, I had a, another cool time at the Opry. Uh, of course, every, like I said, I'm, every time's like, right. it's a moment. Like you're like, wow, I can't believe this. Uh, but I did have a, I played, I played one, one time I got invited to play and uh, I called Steve Warner. There's this story from the first time I ever went to the Opry. Uh, my mom and dad took me there when I was about six or seven and I fell asleep halfway through, you know, as kids tend to as do. As kids do. <laughs> and uh, it's always been a joke because I missed Steve Warner play because he was the headliner that night at the Opry, the last performer. And it was a, a joke. Of course, this is probably 80 you know, 83, 82. So, you know, it, it was, it's always been a joke in my family that I miss Steve Warner playing the Opry. So I called him and told him the story and asked him if he would come join me. I said, I'm and, and surprised the crowd and bring you on stage and say, I finally get to see Steve Warner play the Opry. And he, had, he, he did, he showed up, we played one of his songs and then he played some guitar on, on one of my songs. And uh, man, it was, it was a dream come true for me. And finally got, I told the, told the crowd the story and they, I think it was a really cool Opry moment for everybody. Wow. Now that's He's such a great guy. That's freaking cool. Yeah, that's one person I, I would love to interview because he he is, he is, I call him sleeper acts as far as like, it's just one of those where he had a huge career, you know, and I don't think really people, I think today today's generation doesn't really know him or doesn't really like, you know, Understand not like they is. should. Not no. like they sh- exactly. Not like they should. So I, I it's one person I definitely want to interview because he is damn. He's good. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he's fantastic. He's so many hits that I mean the list just, just goes on and on and on. And then and then on top of that, he's one of the sweetest, kindest, nicest people you'll ever meet. And uh, so it's it's a really it's a really good time being around him. I I love whenever we catch up on the phone. It's like. Right. We talked for like an hour. I mean, this is a guy that I've just become friends with in the last few years. And it's a dream come true because he's a, he's been a hero of mine forever. And uh, for him to be so cool. Once again, meet your heroes. Right. I mean, they're they're really for the most part. I I don't think I've ever met a hero that that was really rude or awful to me. So right. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So um, aside from Guy Clark, because you've already you've already done do it with Guy Clark. I, I asked every person this that i've interviewed um this season who was your dream duet oh gosh i, I don't know there's there's a lot <laughs> i would probably say i would probably i would probably say first would be bruce springsteen i named my oldest son bruce i love springsteen uh i've always loved his music and uh have you met of, him? no never have that, that needs to happen I would, uh, yeah <laughs> I think the other one would probably be George Strait, or I wouldn't mind doing one with Garth Brooks too. I, I, I think any of those three would be really fun. I do. Well, they all need to happen. Um, <laughs> I agree. They all, all need to time. happen. We'll get the four of us together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number one hit for you guys. <laughs> yeah. No, there's another one right there. Uh, I, you know what? Make, that makes me think of uh, back in the day. I say back in the day, but it's probably like 2000 five or whatever um 
when Jimmy Buffett did the cover of Hey Good Looking, and he had Toby Keith, Kenny Chesney, George yeah. Strait, Alan Jackson, all yeah. on one song. See, so maybe I can make it happen. Maybe, you can yeah. make it happen. You maybe can make so. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, great. I, I kind of discovered Springsteen later in my life, you know, when I was probably... 23 or so and uh when i say discovered him obviously i always knew who he was but right uh really really dove into uh what he did because of his record he did after 9-11 that, i thought that record was just which kind of changed his career again which he's yeah. done multiple times but that the record he wrote after 9-11 that inspired him was really inspiring to me and i just i started diving into everything he'd ever recorded and what a fascinating man what a fascinating individual it's just, Crazy, crazy. You want to talk about trendsetter? Um, I so I haven't actually dove into his yet. Um, I have, but what I I did listen to him and him and uh Obama did a podcast together, right? And it was cool hearing just two people from two different sides of train tracks, I'd say. Yeah, and like find find common ground and just talk and. Talk about society, talk about music, talk about life and the difference of, of where they grew up. And it's like, yeah, I have not, I've not checked that out. You got to check that out. You got to check that out. It's like, I think it's like six or seven episodes of the podcast, but it's them just sitting there. Just, it's a deep conversation. And they're sitting there just like, wow. You know, they talk about racism. They talk about, you know, his black history, white history, American history, Everything that like, anything that they can talk about, they talk about when it comes to society, um, and it's just it's just a great example of, of finding a common ground that we all have in this yeah. country. Yeah, you know? I need to check it out. I listen, I did the whole audio book of, of Springsteen's uh, book that he wrote, um, and he reads the audio himself on the audio book. So that was pretty cool to listen to. Yeah, yeah. He's, I saw the Springsteen on Broadway too. It's just he's a he's a very hardworking dude. It's pretty crazy all the different facets of his career it's just crazy it's insane it's insane i think he just sold his catalog too oh yeah for like 500 million for like 500 million dollars not a big deal no no big deal at all <laughs> no big deal <laughs> no big deal mine, mine's probably worth 500 bucks <laughs> if anybody's interested out there 500 dollars <laughs> it's all it'll take it's all it'll take <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, Wayne, this has been awesome. I'm glad to finally meet you. I'm glad you are the first Texas country artist I've had on this podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, honored. Hoping, I'm hoping that there's more. Uh, I'm going to definitely try to get Randy Rogers on here, too. Um, yeah. But um, seriously, thank you so much. I love the album. Y'all need to go listen to this damn EP. If you don't, I swear to God, I'm going to slap you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But go listen to where phones don't work. Uh, it's available everywhere. And then go string the shit out of when love comes around. I agree. All of that. All of that. It's been a great episode. Thanks so much, guys. My pleasure. Thank y'all. Thanks for having me, man. You're listening to The Smoking Section. Powered by Symphonic.